Abanicos aficionados, and welcome to the latest edition of Let Me Tell You Something, or should I say... Drum roll please, everyone. Dejame decrete algo. Decete, decete algo, whatever. We're in <laughs> Espanol this week. Oi, oi, Simon, we're making a time of it on the lash, maybe. Oh, Christ. My co-host Simon Cross there doing a Jägermeister shots out of the belly button of a very depressed 23-year-old who thought she got a modelling contract when she was flying out. <laughs> oh, this is dark. <laughs> as dark as a dimly lit cathedral somewhere in Spain by the looks of it, which seems to be the venue for this match. What are we covering today, Simon? Uh, we're covering a match from the White Wolf Wrestling Company, I think they call themselves. Lucha de Lobo Blanco. Uh, and we're covering Zack Sabre Jr. taking on the A-Kid. Mm. And a- the A-Kid, just to give you an idea, I don't know if you realise this, Simon, he's of a similar vintage year of um, Tyler Bates. So at this oh, point, is it? I think he's 20 years old in this match. No older than that, anyway. Some fresh-faced lad mm-hmm. just gadding about the ring. So what's funny about watching this match is it was building a reputation over time, and when Dave Meltzer gave it five stars, it was actually several months old at that point. And uh, they put it up on YouTube for free as a sort of a, an advertisement for their company, because I guess White Wolf Wrestling is hoping to become to, and maybe it already is at this point, is hoping to become to the Spanish wrestling scene, what progress is to... The English scene, what ICW is to the Scottish scene, and what WXW is to the German scene, and mm. so on and so forth, and OTT is to the Irish scene. Um, and I think with that, you get a the A kid is maybe presented in a similar way to someone like Jordan Devlin is in OTT that he is like the import killer. He is their top star who is brought in to take on the foreign imports. And my initial note of this watching this match is it felt like it was akin to almost Zack Sabre Jr. was wrestling in the same way as like the touring NWA champ would have done. Back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and so forth. Your Luthezes, your Dory Funk Juniors, your Ric Flairs, your Harley Races. Where they go from territory to territory and take on that territory's top guy. And they are presented as this special, you know, all-conquering star. <coughs> I, I mean, the entrances, uh, introductions were being done in Spanish. What was interesting was when... I don't know if you were listening or paying attention to that part. When Zack Sabre Jr. was coming out, before he came out, you were hearing these names being reeled off like Ibushi and Tanahashi. I can only assume that what the ruling announcer was saying was he has he holds victories over the likes of Kota Ibushi and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah. Yeah, no, they are, like, speaking to his pedigree. And, and you are right, he is um, much vaunted. He is the guy... The A-Kid's... Even the A-Kid's the title holder? I don't even know if the belt's on the line. My Spanish mm. isn't that hot. Um, but he's the standard bearer. He is the guy, like, defending the company, basically. Mm. Yes, your Espanol is not muy caliente. Wait. But what is... Um, 
Um, what what is hot is the atmosphere for this match. What is interesting as well before we get to the match itself is how the audience is like half Spanish, half English. Insofar yeah. as their chants are for the most part English, which is very strange. English, but with a very heavy Spanish accent. I think yeah. it's just the fact that that's just English in Western culture. It's just bled through. The one Spanish chant I did notice, Simon, did you notice what it was? No, I didn't. It was towards the end. Some people started chanting out, Cinque Estralas. Cinque Estralas. Do you know what that means? Nope. Think about it. Think about your French. Cinque. This is a five five star match. Yep. Cinque Estralas. Estralas. Ah, oh, I should know that. Mm. So yeah, just the wrestling culture, the westernized wrestling culture. There's there's like this standard now for all countries almost, and like sometimes you see it with Japanese crowds. Try this is awesome chants occasionally. Very odd. Um, it's like. Speaking in American accents, even though you're not from America, or, or, or yeah. an English accent, even though you're not from England. Um, but yeah, so I was saying, it felt like Zack Sabre Jr. was more like the touring champion, but actually, given the way that the match finishes, it feels like maybe he's more like what William Regal and Fit Finley and Terry Rudge and Johnny Saint and all these British wrestlers were being used for in the 70s, the 60s, the 70s and 80s. And that was to go around to all these countries like in Africa and Asia and, and mainland Europe and guide their top star through an intricate mat wrestling match to make it look like the other person knows what they're doing and to beat like, yeah. the foreign incomer, you know? Because I was very surprised at the end when the A-Kid got a win, uh, almost as surprised the A-Kid looked. <laughs> it did seem like Zack Sabre Jr. was of a higher level to him during this match to me. Oh, that is what they're conveying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's weird because Zach's like not in his trunks either. I wonder if that was a baggage situation. Possibly, it, it does look like he has borrowed someone's PE kit with his Adidas football shorts. Mm. Um, but I like that in a way. It's just like he's dressed differently to mm. usual. He's, you know, go, you know, roll with it. Make it look like it works for you, and it doesn't like make him look clownish or anything like no. that. To me, it just looked more like. MMA-esque, because yeah. obviously they're shorts over trunks, and you yeah. don't get trunks in MMA. Um, and obviously, his mat wrestling isn't from MMA, but no. this MMA holds in it. What is great watching his mat wrestling in particular, Zack Sabre Jr., and the way that he guides opponents through them, is that so often when you watch people doing what they call chain wrestling, and like like I said, Johnny Saint really doesn't like the term chain wrestling because it seems like a choreographed sequencing. Yeah. And I guess the most egregious, no, maybe not egregious example, but the maybe one of the main examples of that is that lucha knuckle lock sequencing that they'll do all the time. Yeah. And it seems to follow a set way of doing it. And obviously then you also have the indie standoff sequences that became hot in the 90s from the Japanese junior heavyweight scene. Um, and, you know, like hip toss, hip toss, leap, you know, all that sort of stuff that Delirious brilliantly made fun of in a match with El Generico. But with this one, there's a constant struggle and a constant readjusting. Like whenever Zack Sabre Jr. is applying a submission hold, especially towards the end... He's almost preempting an attempt to escape it. Like, I think he goes from like a half crab 
into uh yeah you go from a half crab into a clover leaf into a rings of saturn into um uh no like an stf and he and he moves it around to stay one step ahead of his opponent he's defending the transition by mm. transitioning himself basically he's just keeping a kid not keeping him settled not let, allowing him to settle in a hole and figure it out yeah. he's just keeping him on his toes he's using his fluidity against the a kid and there is a sense that the a kid is having to be at the best that he can possibly be and he's trying to match Zack Sabre Jr. on the mat, and sometimes he's successful at the start when he's able to hold on to the cross arm. I can never remember what it's called, but it's like a cross. It's almost like it could be a chokehold, where you know, do you know what do you know what I mean? Where you've got the opponent's arms crossed to get in front of themselves. Oh and yeah, behind them, locking the locking onto the hand. And Zack Sabre Jr. tries like three different types of reversals, and each time the A kid is able to hold onto it or immediately reverse back into it. Or reapply it, yeah. Or reapply it, and uh, yeah, and and then they start trading control and submission holds, and and at one point Zack Saber Junior. essentially has to do his version of going dirty, which is to grab the fingers, um, which then leads to a rope break. And again, that's what someone like Luthes would do. Obviously, Zack Saber Junior. obviously seems to be playing up more the heelish uh, character. I mean, from the entrance when he's chest bumping against the A Kid, and it also helps that he's quite significantly taller than the A-Kid. I think Zack Sabre Jr. is about six foot one. Yeah. And it looks like the A-Kid's somewhere around five foot six, maybe. And it gives, like, Zack another, like, style Zach's not to the bulkiest guy in the world, but neither is the A-Kid, fortunately. Yeah. So he's able to be that overpower of bullying heel that someone with his frame wouldn't necessarily look like he should be able to do. Although I think he's well, bulked up a little bit in yeah. recent years. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say the last time we saw him in a five-star format was against Volta. Mm. <laughs> That's not a man you can shove around. No, no. But with this one, he is more of the bully. You know, he's older, he's taller. Um, yeah. And and so then... What also I thought was really admirable is that this barely goes off the mat for the whole time. And it never once leaves the ring, does it? No, partly because the crowd's it, right up there slapping yeah. the mat for the whole time, which I'm not a huge fan of personally. But uh, yeah, I, I do think it was possibly a logistics slash safety issue as well. But the best part of, about it being with Zack Sabre Jr. is you don't need to leave the ring for him to have a good match. No, at all. no like he he doesn't need to use those shortcuts. Mm. Like this is very different to what we've been watching recently obviously what we covered in the previous episode was markedly different to this mm. um all the new japan matches do seem to have that somewhat contrived possibly because i'm seeing so much new japan in such a short space of time uh count out slash double count out spot and not having these weapons in their toolbox plus having the most comfortable technical wrestler on the planet today in the ring mm. You know, you can tell an entirely different kind of story, and it's really, like, compelling. Yeah. Yeah, and like you say, the story of the match is that the A-Kid's taking on the best that Europe has to offer to try and defend the honour of himself, the honour of Spanish wrestling and the promotion. Yeah. Um, and, and after a while, Zack Sabre Jr. does start to begin to control things. What did you think as well? Like when when Zack Sabre Jr. wrestles in New Japan, the story is usually that he controls on the mats, 
but his ego gets the best best of him, and he tries to engage his opponent in strike exchanges, and pretty much always comes out the loser. And yeah. then he might find an opening and go back to a submission hold, and that happens in this match at a couple of times. But in this one, he does win a fair few of the strike exchanges. Well, he's much bigger mm. and older. Mm. Like A Kid is just playing underdog in every sense of the word mm. in this match. Which isn't a bad thing. You wonder if A-Kid is maybe more of a high flyer and basically we only see one move off the top rope in this whole match. He tries it once before. He tries a frog splash once before and he's unsuccessful. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. We see two, sorry. Two. My mistake. Um, But that doesn't happen until very late into the match. Mm. Um, And like I said, that was one of the things that impressed me. I was like, wow, this is like 20 minutes in and they've just pretty much stayed on the mat the whole time. Yeah, they've and they kept they kept the audience along with it. The audience is buying what they're selling, mm. and there's very few people who could do that yeah. in the world. Sabre Junior, Suzuki, uh, who else could just pure mats? I'm just trying to think. There's not many that come to the top of my head. Any anyone else? Timothy uh, they, Thatcher, maybe Drew they, Gulak, if required. I don't really do that. Jack Gallagher. Possibly. Yeah. I think a lot of the British wrestlers probably could. Matt, Marty Skirl, if required, could probably just have a Matt wrestling match. I mean, I imagine Davy Boy Smith Jr., a lot of the best talent that does blood sport can probably do it if required to do it. Yeah. I mean, it'd be fun to actually see a Zack Sabre Jr. A-Kid match in a, in a blood sport environment where they take away the ring ropes and everything. Mm. Or even in like a... Uh, somewhere where A-Kid... Can fly about a bit more. I do think there's like a literal restriction. I don't know if it's like a pre-match instruction, mm. like in, the, in the structure of the match, or because of how close the crowd are, maybe. So I think this match is really well structured, really well, really, really well paced. I thought the pacing was fantastic throughout, and that things just escalate as time goes on. Like they are just mat wrestling at the start, and then the strike exchanges start coming in, and then. You know, one will take a bit more control. More specifically, Zach will start to get a bit more control as time goes on, and the A kids really fighting from underneath, like you say, uh, just trying to stay in with kicks and slaps occasionally. And Saber Junior will try and toy with him, and then when it really starts pushing it up to the end, when the big moves really start to come in, uh, it's still very exciting. And there's still moments where something as simple as a backslide comes in with a really close. I love this. Might be one of my favourite backslides ever. <laughs> because he catches Zach going in with a running European uppercut and he hooks the arm and it almost turns into a almost a suplex because Zach does land basically on his neck yeah. and shoulders. Um like I said, like a backslide is usually like a, a test of strength moment, but in this it was like a flash, sudden, uh hot you know, like like, but he's inside, got an like usually he's... be an inside cradle or something like that. Yeah. And like usually, sometimes you can see a, te- a test of strength of backslides as well. Mm-hmm. But no, this guy's got an opening. He's just got to like get him. And Zach's in motion already, so the, use it. So now I'm going to get into one of my only criticisms in this match. One is a very small technical criticism in that when he does the Spanish fly like mid ring, it, it doesn't. You can tell like exhaustion might be factoring it in because like Zach's head's a bit too close to the ground for my liking at one point. Mm. But my main, my only point of contention is I think the strike exchanges happen too often. And they go back to the same thing that brought them there. And I think they could have mm. either varied it or not done as much, you know? 
Like yeah. It, so many times they go to slaps and chops and forearms and everything, and it just doesn't... At the time, it just becomes too repetitive to me. So those are my only two real criticisms. I, with slaps, it. I could see what you mean. They do slap a lot. Mm. And you think you could have just very like you could I, I don't think the number the, the the percentage of strikes compared to other moves in this match is is bad um i just think yeah i think there's more variety to be had there yeah there was fun where they would start on their knees and then work their way back up to their feet i liked that at various yeah. points but again it's just something that it feels like this match maybe goes two or three minutes longer than it needed to to me Okay. Um, I just felt like it reached that pinnacle earlier, and they, did, even though I was saying how well paced it was, look, this is a fantastic wrestling match. I'm not knocking that at all. Um, I don't have much left to say really at this point, other than you know, faultless mat wrestling. Um, uh, both got you know, Zack Sabre Jr. does such a fantastic job of making Akid look good, but Akid is earning it. You know, he's not being guided. Yeah. He's doing his job, which is to be the underdog. You know. Like, in, in three or four years' time, you can see the A-Kid doing a similar role for someone else. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. Because he wouldn't have the height advantage over pretty much anyone, that would be less of a problem. I mean, now he's a... Uh, I think he recently signed with the WWE, didn't he? He's on NXT UK, I think, at the moment. Yes, yeah, quite recently. Um, and it's also a sign of, like, the increasing continental element of wrestling. Like, I was not really aware of any Spanish wrestlers. You know, yeah, obviously there's, there's... Mexicans, but... yeah. Well, it comes from somewhere, doesn't it? it? Like, you know, there's there's wrestling everywhere. It's just growing. Yeah. But I think, yeah, there's there's more of a... Well, like I said, the, the, they've, got a, they've got a template to follow now with WXW and Progress and OTT and everyone else. Yeah. And it's just easier to build that fan base around these areas with social media and everything like that. And, and like I said, just the sort of... Um, coalescing of cultures essentially yeah like because it's obvious that these spanish wrestling fans know english like they know wrestling english like how kevin owens his first introduction to english was to learn it through wrestling through jim ross yeah 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 yeah, yeah it's it's great it's great to see other uh platforms yeah, like variety is the spice of life yeah but it's not variety though is it it's like a homogenized they're doing they're impersonating a, a wrestling crowd from the TV. Oh, not the crowd. Not yeah. the crowd. No, Screw no, no. the crowd. Yeah. No, I'm on about like having other like promotions yeah. and other platforms. Well, I just wish that there was more of a... I wish there was something that was Spanish wrestling, weirdly. I don't see anything from the A-Kids doing that suggests he's a Spanish wrestler, you know? Yeah. Well, certain countries just won't have the... Maybe not. ...established traditions on, on a widely known scale that we... That britain or mexico or japan but the british, british style almost died out it was really the work of doug williams and nigel mcginnis and then later on really zach saber jr and, and others that that allowed it to come back because you know yeah look at your jody Fleischers and your johnny storms and, and the others that were coming into the british scene in the late 90s early 2000s they were obviously american fan fans of the american product yeah and like the round system wasn't there or anything like that outside of the old, um, you know, whatever they were doing on the Butlins yeah. tours or what have you. But it did survive, and that's the main thing. Like it, it the well, tradition. I wonder if there was. There. there must have been wrestling in Spain at that time. We know there was. I mean, the WWE yeah. toured there, so I don't know. Maybe maybe European wrestling in general is what the British wrestling was. I don't know. 
Um, but yeah, maybe we'll find out. Maybe someone can do some research for us and get in touch with us about it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not quite going five stars for this one. I have the greatest admiration for it in the world, but I don't quite go five stars. Okay, so it's a five-star mat wrestling match. But to me, it's just not a five-star wrestling match, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, I, I think what they do on the mat is, is incredible. So are you saying everything that goes out of the mat, like in the last half, the second half of the match when it's less mat-focused? I, I just think... It I takes take it, you, yeah. Uh, the points you've made about length and number of slaps are valid. Um... This sounds like a massive contradiction, but maybe a little less mat wrestling as well. Just just a hair less. Mm. Just a little bit of variance, if you see what I mean. That, that doesn't... Maybe as well. Um, A-Kid's... It's weird, even though he's homegrown, he doesn't seem to connect with the crowd in the same way I've seen other people. Well, not not... Just not as smoothly as I've seen others do it, if you see what I mean. Not to a five-star standard. I'm not saying he can't do it by any stretch of the imagination, but you've got to think... I don't think you can judge that on one match, necessarily, no, Simon. No, but uh, this is how all How much like... of that is the crowd being excited? I don't know how many times they've had big stars like Zack Sabre Jr. appear <laughs> at White Wolf Wrestling at this point, you know? But working with what I've got and comparing it to the people I've seen, it's just... He, he's not quite at their level. But okay. that's not as a criticism. They're at a phenomenal level. Okay. It's just, you know, it. it's just something you notice, I guess. Well, and that's, and that's one of the handicaps with doing this in this format, as we've talked about. It makes the very, very good look not as good when it's compared to the great. Mm. Well, if, if you want to send Simon some abusive Spanish language uh, uh, statements, then... How can they get in touch with you, Simon? Uh, you can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Or uh, Simon so... Cross Trez. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> so known, because that is the English word for Trez. Mm -hmm. uh, my name is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A -L -L -A for Amigo. <laughs> N, N for the N in Buenas Noches. <laughs> that is my Twitter account. That's my... Um, that's my uh, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, um, put at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email address as well. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show, it's lmtyspod at gmail.com. Lmtyspod is also our Twitter handle. Um, Simon, what are we going to do for our next episode? Uh, we're going to New Japan. Really? So yeah, soon? Yeah, I know. Uh, and we're going to a variant of a match we've seen before. Uh, we're going to see Tanahashi. We need versus... to stop saying variants so much. Ah, piss off. We're going to see we're Tanahashi. We're going to find a variance of to use. Oh. We're going to see Tanahashi take on Okada. Uh, and Tana... and they are both got something more than the title to look after here. Okada's going to br try and break the record and get his 12th defense of his title. A record held at 11 currently by Tanahashi. So Tanahashi's playing defense while simultaneously going for the title. And Okada's going on the offense to try and break the record, but he's trying to defend the title itself. And in case you're wondering, didn't Tanahashi say he'd never challenge Okada again? It is Okada that made the challenge to Tanahashi. 
because he wants to sign off with a flourish, as mm. is Okada's name. He does sign off with a flourish when he signs things. Let <laughs> it use a quill if he could. A golden quill. With big heavy ropes round it. But there's nothing left to say for this one now, except for me amo Lorcan Mullen. And me amo Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Ten un tiempo de cinco estrada hasta la próxima vez. Ay, ela tem classe. É fina como o sabor dessa base. Como se o mundo ao redor já não importasse. Que lingerie bebendo vinho no meu quarto. E pra seduzida, só pra mim que salto alto, tão linda. Que me inspirou logo essas linhas. E tantas coisas que ficaram ali nas entrelinhas. Das nossas noites mal dormidas. Se pegar no sono, fazendo amor na batida. Que sintonia, ela pelada te falar é covardia. É poesia, vira uma noite e emendamos.